2: Welcome to the Department of Discipline. We are live in Toronto from the Seagram's VO Select Studios at the Royal York. Ryan Pender, Jay Rosehill, a very special guest we'll get to in a moment. Rosie, this is your old stomping ground. This is Toronto. How's the reception been? What was the parade like when you landed?
0: Oh, I'm disappointed that my statue's not done on Legends <laughs> Row, but they must be doing a good job on it because I it's went by the taken Walk a while. Of
2: fame too, and they must have paved <laughs> over. Something's here.
0: going Jeez. wrong. No, man, this city tried to chew me up and swallow me again, but I, I fought it off.
2: <laughs> you don't help matters very much. <laughs> You're a fighter. I, I've always been impressed. There's never any quit in your game. Uh, our guest, cut from the same cloth. Super happy to have Brad May with us. Cup winner in Thousand plus games, twenty two hundred plus penalty minutes. This is our kind of guest room. Mm. So you welcome to the Department of Discipline, Brad. How yeah. are you?
3: I love it. I'm not disciplined, just so you know. That's um, perfect. And but it's so cool to be here with you uh, and and Jay. I've only met you once. Uh. Well, I've met you a few more times after I retired. But um, the first time I met Jay Rosehill, he was a young, hungry guy. Made the Toronto Maple Leafs that year, and. Um, <laughs> It was in Detroit at the old Joe, Joe Lewis arena. It was, it was awesome. It was oh, my first man. game as a Red wing.
0: Well, you were trying out, you're on a PTO and yeah. I don't know how much skating you were doing or what your plans were, but you know, I knew of you, obviously watched you growing up, knew your story. And some guys had told me, oh, maybe trying out, he's a beauty. And I'm like, I don't really care if he's a beauty. He is tough as nails and I, <laughs> I'm trying to make this team. So Probably first shift, I gave you a little little hook and, hey, Mayday, Mayday, can I have one? Can I have one? And you said, yeah, you bet, kid. Just let me get a few shifts in me. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And I didn't want to bother you. A couple of shifts later, I'm like, Mayday you ready, you ready? And you're like, I just got to get a sweat on. I haven't been skating. I got to get a sweat on. So I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Like, you promised that uh, you know, eventually here. So it's getting someone blew somebody up at center ice and me and you were right there and away we went and we had a spirited scrap. It was awesome. I was relieved when it was over and I stand up to Mayday just patting me on the back of the helmet saying, you keep going, kid, you keep going. And we get to the penalty box and you're yelling over at me. I love the way you play, kid. You're going to make that team. You're going to make that team. And I was so jacked I was ready to go through a fucking wall <laughs> he was firing me up so I always appreciated that and then uh met up with you afterwards and uh yeah the, the your reputation preceded you so I always appreciated
3: that uh, you know what it was um little backstory before that game was played I was sitting at home I hadn't I hadn't shot on a goaltender and I my last game was with the Toronto Maple Leafs right the year prior and um of course you're you're there I'm actually at home for the you know through training camp you guys had a rookie camp and I think you and there was a few other guys. Um, Orzy was there. Yeah, Orzy was there. You guys were, like, lighting it up. And there was a ton of fights and a bunch of, you know, your preseason stuff. And then, of course, um, rookie camp and then preseason. And so I knew. I was watching. I was sitting at home in Toronto. My kids just got into a school. My wife thinks I'm retired because the phone <laughs> – I never retired. My phone just never rang again, right? Okay. So – but I was I was laying on the couch watching Oprah Winfrey on a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, and I get a phone call, and it's Ken Holland. And he's like, hey, listen, are you in shape? And I'm like, yeah, I've been working out, but I haven't shot at any goaltenders, but, I, but I'm working hard. And he's like, well, I'd love, love to see what you can do. And we play tomorrow night. know. I, I guess it was a Thursday because we play tomorrow night, which is a Friday, and then we played against Toronto again, back-to-back nights, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday. And I literally got, got off the couch and looked at my wife, and she's like, no way. <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. She thought I was done. Still After eighteen it, years, she yeah, I was I was done and jeez. and um, I'm like no I gotta go I gotta do this and, she, and we went upstairs I packed the bag and I drove to um, Windsor across the border and um, two nights later so I hadn't jeez yeah really I had like I had yeah. no hockey, whatever but you guys had training camp everybody actually works out really hard to go to training camp because they know what they're trying to do for me it was um, it was completely different but it was so cool yeah and I just know my the, for me to get involved and I. I'm sick to my guts when I watch young players today because I think there's an opportunity for a lot of these guys to solidify their job on the third and fourth line yeah. by just showing up and and getting into a few spirited you know tilts or or bring that energy on on, on a random night where the team doesn't have it those players. I think today are more valuable than ever
2: because they're rare, right? And uh, to your point, like just carve out a role. Like we could pull the next guy from the American League team up. Like, what are you doing to hold this roster spot? And I thought you were one of of a dying breed, but th- mm-hmm. that's exactly how you got to the league and got a job in the NHL and kept the job. In the oh, league. this
3: guy was sick, and then he it's did. Crazy, and then he yeah. did great in Philadelphia too. <laughs> I was, I'm a fan. Like after after not playing and retiring, I you were, you and and Colton and and guys like that. You guys were the guys I watched, mm. you know, well, and, and I never watched hockey when I played. So I became yeah. a fan after I finished my career, if, if that makes any sense. So sure.
2: let's, let's, you're on the couch, your kid's in school, wife thinks you're done. And now you're looking at the whiteboard two days later in Detroit thinking, oh, geez, like some kid trying to make the team. I got a scrap. Are you excited about that? Or you're like, oh, Am I, I f- still doing this. Like what's, what, what
3: are the oh, emotions I'm so around fired up. There? Okay, man. good. So fired up. And, <laughs> and to that. do it. Maybe not prepared and ready for it, you yeah. know. I hadn't typically going into training camp. I'd box and I'd, I'd do Kiss. taekwondo and I, but I'd also work out really hard for you know morning sessions, afternoon sessions before training camp. I was just hanging out. I, I just re- moved into a house and watching hockey games that I don't even want to watch because it's the first time that I'm not part of it. Yeah. yeah, there was something like maybe that's where the anger came from or the energy because you felt like I think I should be there. I'm but, better than that guy. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're not invited to the party, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember watching you, so mm. and, and your teammates f- fired up and playing. And because Toronto was my p- previous team, mm-hmm. I think that's even a little, a little, a little to extra to it. mustard,
2: right? Oh, yeah, I yeah. think
3: so. And I, and then it also really pissed me off too that I didn't get invited back to Toronto's training camp. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like in this like my own little purgatory, if you will. But yeah, um, well, but playing I, you that was I, I do remember, and it was awesome. And for me. It gave me a great chance to get back in there, and you were – I was like, I, I, I was I was cheering for you well, from that point on.
0: You were so fired up. I was like, it got my blood going too. But I could tell when you're like kind of not shaking me off, like, no, no, we'll go, but just give me. And I'm like, man, he's on a PTO. I don't know how much skating he's been doing. Like I feel for him. <laughs> like first couple of shifts there. But, you know, you know, as good as anybody, you know, you can go to training camp and skate in the summer, but there's nothing like being in a game, like your legs, it takes a while to accumulate like your, you know, that the game legs and lungs and everything. Like, it's kind of that old saying, like, doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't replicate. Actual hockey,
3: and hey, not to mention I'm 38 years old. At I that know it's like Dude. he's no spring chicken. <laughs> this guy, guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but honestly, hockey's been and was. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given to me, and it's a gift that keeps on giving. I'm, I, I mean, we got the All Star Weekend, which got absolutely nothing to do with as a player, um, even before that. But part of the NHL. Yeah. But being a former player, you get invited to all these great mm. things going on in Toronto. It's a great place to have it. I mean, the the, the energy outside is
2: pretty awesome. And then I get get invited to come on with you guys. It's awesome. So I saw P.K. Subban in a convenience store yesterday. He was just buying a bottle of water or something, and there's a kid on the street that looks in the window, maybe around 20, and he's just like, eyes turns to dinner plates. He's with his dad. He just grabs his arm. He's like, we got to go say hi. And then later in the night, we saw three Russian all-stars that were out looking for, you know, a good time to have. And, you know, there's Doug Gilmore on the street giving a big hug to an old teammate. You're like, this is a hockey city. This means so much here. And there isn't a bigger hockey market in the world. Like, as a Toronto guy, this has got to feel extra special.
3: Yeah, it really does. And I I grew up just north of of Toronto, uh, Markham-Stouffville, which is northeast of here. But, um, yeah, no, growing up, this is what we saw. We, We... Blue and white. I wasn't a Leaf fan per se. I had to be a Boston Bruins fan because my family, I think my dad was a Leaf fan. My mom was a Sabres fan. Huh. My bro- my brother, my older brother was a Montreal Canadian fan. And we weren't allowed to cheer for the same team. So by default, I got the Boston Bruins and Rick Middleton, which I loved. Loved being <laughs> a Bruins fan. Okay.
2: Uh, we've asked Rosie a ton about this. Do you have a favorite fight or a moment in your career that gets the most reaction, the best story to tell or... F- fans just always asking about the same moment. The Mayday goal is huge, but we kind of got the more fisticuff angle in this pod.
3: Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I would say for me I fought the late Derek Bugard. Who? And and, Who? and and to give this, you know, little the props to him. What a what a great job he did for his teammates. Guy was you know, a beast. Um, and it's sad that he's not with us today, but in the playoffs in 07 when when we went on, I had just been traded from Colorado. Um, maybe a month and a half prior to the, well, at the deadline. And sure. um, I'm in Anaheim. We're playing Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. And at the end of the fourth game, we were up three games to nothing. They beat us game four, but um, a fight in, you know, broke out. And I ended up punching a, a player. I got suspended for three games for sucker and Kim Johnson. Okay. And Kim Johnson was their best defenseman. And um, I feel bad that I hurt the player. But I try. I fight my mom to try to win a Stanley
2: Cup. Okay, so it's you're in war so, mode here, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I mean,
3: at the end of the day, I actually, I, 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 th- I really believe, you know, you have to be willing to do what other guys are willing to do to actually win that trophy as a team. Mm-hmm. Somebody on your team, if not everyone, has to step up and do something out of out of character, if you will. But um, I did that to to Kim Johnson, his teammate Derek Bugard, That's kind of we know what the if there is, um, you know unsaid rules is if when you do that as a as a physical player you're gonna have to you know answer pay the pay the price and so the next season i had to fight Derek bugard i knew i was fighting him everybody else in the world knew i was fighting him but the bottom line is if i didn't i lose all the integrity and and, and respect that maybe i had i had gained um and he's six foot eight and he's a beast and he
2: he's he's like caving people's faces yeah. and breaking orbital literally
3: bones, hurting people and and at that time two or three of those guys were anaheim duck players yeah right. and the year prior <clears throat> earlier that was todd Fedorik. right around yep. like almost the same anniversary of the game and um all i can tell you is the anticipation of death has <gasps> to be worth than worse than death itself
2: has to be waiting for the guillotine to fall <laughs> oh, so to speak. And, yeah.
3: but you know you get into it the fight ended up turning out you know pretty good it was good Good for me, anyways. You, mm-hmm. you stood in there, but um, the, the 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 energy that we had, my teammates. I looked at them and they were like death. They were they were scared shitless for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know what? Typically, I'm in pretty comfortable in that environment. and I'm walking around the locker room and none of these guys are looking at me. They don't want to talk to it's me. Like the Grim Reaper. And you I'm like making eye contact. Oh, dude, it was <laughs> it was. So leading up to it, the, the, the intimidation or that apprehension I felt um, was always good. But I ca- I got to tell you. Once you do it for your teammates, there's a picture of the fight, that, this particular fight, and we weren't even in it, Derek Bugard and I, but our, our gloves and sticks were on the ice, but it was, a, it was a shot from across the ice, both benches. The Minnesota bench they were all standing up like this, you know, with their faces, big smiles <laughs> yeah. and cheering. And the Anaheim duck bench was like, oh, God, <laughs> it was like there. Everybody was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to get killed. Yeah, every fight with that guy was like next that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've got that picture and I, I'm i not even in it. Yeah. And it, they say a pitcher tells the th- you know, yeah, totally. A thousand words. Yeah. Th- pitcher yeah. worth a thousand That's words. Yeah. Well, This is worth
2: more.
0: You come into the league as, you know, you're a first rounder. You're putting up big points in the O and you come into the league and, surpassed 300 pims
2: 309 in his first year
0: (laughs) like insanity did you just enjoy playing that way like we talk about you touched on it earlier these guys don't i've talked to an nhl gm before i'm like why don't you go get a guy like this with some snot and some piss and vinegar that can go in there and he goes we can't find them they're not they don't exist as much anymore and it's shocking but to go back a few years to the beginning of your career like holy smokes they probably had to settle you down
3: yeah i think you know what? I can talk about that now, right? Because it's over. I like, know. It's in the rear view I used to knock on wood all the time. And, you don't have to anymore. And, and don't have to. So I can actually be like candid about it. Um, yeah, I was probably, I loved it. I yeah. loved every bit of it. Um, the only thing I miss about playing hockey is fighting because <laughs> I can never tee off and hit somebody again. I can never <laughs> feel your best shot. No. I guess I could, but then one of us is getting charged or, you know, yeah, in, in real life. Hockey was an unbelievable outlet. You get in a, you know, a disagreement at home, or have that energy, negative energy, you call it. You go, to, you go. First of all, you wake up in the morning. You go to practice. You can get a, get rid of it. And if you have a little bit more in you, you know what? You just you pick a player on the other side. And who cares? It's not personal. Mm-hmm. We're, we're playing mm-hmm. for keeps. We're making money. Number one, lots of money as as pro athletes. Don't feel sorry for any of these guys. And I think people are looking at the game. Listen, we want it to be sanitized. We want it to be respectful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if somebody gets injured or hurt playing the game the right way, I don't feel bad for them. Well, I, I feel bad. I don't want anybody injured, right? Like, yeah. like that way. But um, I do think that We're too soft, man. The game's got to get a little bit more of a bite.
2: Rosie said at the beginning of the the season when we started this pod, and I thought it was a great point, that people aren't walking blind into this or forced to do this. Everyone understands the risks, and they know what happens if a fight can go wrong, and they understand that this is what I get paid. These are the risks associated with the job. You get compensated well, and I, I do agree. I think there's people that don't have to make that choice that are trying to tell the NHL, what it should or shouldn't be, we, and we're losing a bit of it. The fights are back, but it's it uh, it does feel like physicality is a crucial, crucial ingredient in the entertainment of, of hockey. It's a massive piece.
3: Like I don't want to be an like archaic or this dinosaur. I love I, again. I love fighting. I think it's great, but it's not my game anymore. Jay, not your game nope. anymore. We're not playing it. So the seven hundred and fifty guys that are playing in the league today maybe it's 900 you know guys that come mm-hmm. up and down it's their game they can play it any way they want so at the end of the day to sit here and criticize it it's it, it does us no good but it, it the skill level is amazing oof. but the bite on a tuesday night that that zero yeah. that insanity that spontaneous combustion i'd like to see it but the game of hockey is awesome, man. Yeah. These guys are better than we've ever, be, ever thought to be.
0: They are, and, and they can choose how to play it. And uh, my problem is when it's when the outside factors dictate how the game is played. You got some guy coming up from the, the broadcast booth and he comes down and they used to, you know, their job was to watch the game come down, ask the questions, how did it go, what do you think? And then write about it and put it in the newspaper. Now they come down and they go, well, then they're going to write their scathing column and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is how it should be done and how can they justify this? And I remember, like, how many players need to die before the NHL takes fighting out of the game? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, add up the add up the injuries from fights compared to body checks. So if you want to have that conversation, you got to take body checking out of the game. But it's when the outside factions decide how this game's going to play that just rattles me. Like, you know, we did a poll not too long ago of the NHL players. Do you want fighting out of the game? And it was like 98% said no. And none of those guys have to fight. No one told me I had to fight.
3: Lots of guys play the game at that level and say, I'm not ever going to fight. And that's fine. Using that number, 98%, 98% 98% of concussions were not a result of a fight. Yeah, okay. no, that's triangle. It's 5%. It. And I'm not sure where it is today, and I bet you it's even, it's, it, it, that, that, that gap is even tighter. Um, concussions, we don't know exactly, but it's a physical game. Yeah. That your head smashing against a glass, open ice hits, the, the, the collisions that you get that don't even look bad are the ones that hurt the most, right, Jay? When you're you're both prepared and you're both ready for it, and it's like you feel it through your bones, those Mm -hmm. hits. Um, Listen, we want want the game to be safe. Fighting keeps it safe. Fighting keeps it safer.
2: It's the policing, right? Uh, Yeah. It's it's it's, an important piece of it. I think it is. So you were part of around one of the most, I guess, media-type circus things with the sport. Steve Moore, Todd Bertuzzi, you were Canuck when that happened. I, that had the right? puck
3: on, I had the puck on my stick and right so when that happened.
2: that's when hockey's on CNN, and it's never for the good reason. It's only stuff like this that this sport gets spotlights in certain places. What do you remember about that, and how nutso was that circus that followed the Bertuzzi-Moore thing?
3: Wait, I have so much to say, and I'm not um, – so much to say about that whole experience. Um, I think it sucked for hockey being being – I think it was really, really tough on Todd Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. Incredibly tough on Steve Moore. Um, obviously, he made a decision after the fact to not play hockey um, and then go a litigious route against Todd Bertuzzi, Brian Burke, Mark Crawford, Vancouver Canucks, Canucks yeah. Orca Bay, Brad May. Really? I went to court. I went to court. I was sued. I was a hostile witness to Steve <laughs> Moore's camp during this thing. With that being said, the moment it gets into the you know, other hands, and 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 the game doesn't police it or or take care of it, and it gets into that the, the civil action, you lose control, and that's kind of where it went. I think it's complete bullshit, and I think it was awful, but it was awful for hockey, a black guy for hockey. But Todd Bertuzzi is a good dude. Yeah, one of my best buddies. Did he did he do something wrong? He deserved a, a suspension. He deserves you know that type of um, criticism. He didn't mean to break. Break a man's neck, he didn't do that, number one. Yeah. Um, he hit him from behind. Yet, Steve Moore, honor code, a hockey player who just knocked out the leading scorer in the National Hockey League. I don't know, let's let's see who what would happen if somebody knocks out Nick, uh, Nikita Kucherov off right now or Connor mm-hmm. McDavid. The world is waiting for re- redemption and retribution at that point, yeah. even today, today, in every market. Um, Steve Moore didn't do anything about that. I'm not saying that anybody's... Guilty of one thing or not, but the world went really heavy and hard on the Vancouver Canucks and Todd Bertuzzi. I get thrown in there as uh, at be, being part of it. Best game I ever played in the National Hockey League: five minutes, vice time, two goals, fifty-one penalty minutes, and nobody <laughs> talks about it because it was
2: overshadowed. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. there was a bigger. That's event. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I understand that. That's a hell of a game yeah, log, though. Yeah. Wow, it's yeah. efficient. <laughs> so Berkey had you in Vancouver. He had you a lot of places. Something about Brian Burke. Like, he, he loved you. He got you from Tampa. Yeah. He's brought you all over. Uh, obviously a fit, and you're type of player he loves. But give me a little more on on Burkey.
3: I just think Brian Burke is my favorite guy in hockey, um, outside of Ted Nolan, who was my coach in Buffalo. Right. Um, <clears throat> Brian Burke's my biggest ally. Played for him four different teams, twice in Vancouver, Anaheim, and Toronto. <laughs> Traded at the deadline twice, once to Vancouver, once to Anaheim, with the uh, in the quest to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. We were able to do that, and I say we. I was a bit part guy added last, like late in the season to that team, an already wonderful team. The only thing I can promise you, and I know I'm right saying this, is I didn't fuck it up.
2: <laughs> you got and a I, ring. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I,
3: I didn't. I didn't screw up the chemistry of the of an already great team, yeah. and I do think I helped enhance that. Um, but Brian Burke's my favorite guy, Jay, and I, I know how he feels about you.
0: Yeah, he's just an honest guy. Like uh, people, I don't know how you could have a bad opinion about him. I guess he's kind of brash, I guess. But I mean, I read his book. He's hes a smart man. He's a, He gets hockey and he gets the world around it as well. But when you talk to him, it's all honesty. He's if if it, even if it's not all roses, it's he's honest and he's fair and he's one of those guys like we've talked about on this show how you know the way you talk to coaches and sometimes how they talk to you. You are just a little name on a piece of paper. Get I could care less. Like just do your job and I don't think about you otherwise. Berkey knows the name of your wife and your kids and he makes sure that that things are okay and. It was just like, you felt like you had a guy in your corner, even if he's like sending you down or not renewing your contract, you still like want to go through a wall for this guy. And he's just, he's been around for so long because of that. He actually cares. He gets people. And, you know, I just, I love those guys in hockey that, that like the way it, you know, the underlying things of hockey that we're talking about, like being it played the right way, he respects those guys. He understands it. And then to be at the helm of, of NHL, Franchises and do all he's done in the league is is just wicked. He's one of the one of the really good guys in the game. Yeah, he
1: is. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass
2: So I've got a bunch of people saying, you got to ask me about this. You got to ask me about that. I mean, to let you have dealer's choice, but I might follow up with with this. So I've got a barbershop prank story. Okay. And then I've got Barnaby and Rob Ray fighting on the team bus story. Does either one of those hit me? I I like them both. Um, (laughs) I can get to both of them
3: really quickly. Rob Rob and Matthew and throw myself in there. Um, That was a tough team. There was a lot of fights on buses, airplanes, locker rooms. And- all because Matthew Barnaby's such an asshole, uh, and, 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 and we love him, and he's our, he, but he's ours. Like we 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 do um, we're a very close group of guys, but Matthew would just he knew the buttons to push, agitate and, and to agitate <laughs> you and get you going. I remember one night we were playing we were playing cards on an airplane, and he I don't know I he I lose control when I'm around him because he just he gets me gets to me, and I remember I hit the bottom of the table. Spaghetti flew off a plate <laughs> all over his head on his suit, and he and he's a well dressed guy. I felt terrible, <laughs> and I'm cheap, and I had to pay for it to clean it, and that was awful. But, um, but yeah, he and he and Rob um, got in an unbelievable fight. Like I'm talking like swinging, swinging, and 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 Matthew just egging him on, and at the end of it, Rob always wins. He doesn't Rob, lose any fights. Rob, Rob, so tough. Yeah, and Matthew knew it too, but he was like, "Hit me one more time." And he would just, he would just. Pull that out of you. Um, but yeah, had so many good nights, so much fun with Matthew Barnaby. And he brought, you know, you hear these stories about a player dragging his teammates yeah. into a fight or into the trenches, whatever slogan you want to use. Matthew Barnaby was one of the best teammates and and, and best for it because he'd fight his own battles. He, he didn't just stir it up and then run away. Mm-hmm. He was right there. He was right in the middle of it. So in Buffalo, we had a ton of fun doing that. Um as for the hair story... Well,
2: hang on. So, uh, yeah, and, and the yeah. Cassocks there, McGillney's there, LaFontaine. There's, like, there's a nice list of Hall of Famers on that Buffalo squad. That, was a, that seemed like a fun crew.
3: Oh, uh, we had a great group of guys. And, and for me as a young player, coming out of junior and making the NHL, um, I had some incredible guys from Pat LaFontaine and Dale Howarchuk. Howarchuk. Mike Ramsey, he was on Team USA, won the you know Miracle on Ice, won the Olympic gold yeah. in 1980. Um, From Colin Patterson and Randy Hillier, all these players, they're all in their 30s. Patty maybe wasn't. He was just just approaching 30. But all these guys that that took care of the rookie and my fellow rookies, there's five of us on this team, and we had some great mentors to
2: follow for sure. Okay, so the barbershop. That was good. I-
3: Didn't sound like you were too scared as a rookie to go in there
0: and uh, mix it up. You weren't a timid rookie. 309, my God, you must have just stepped right in. Didn't even fights, dip your toe you in the water.
3: I don't, re- I don't remember the number, but I do remember this. Four games before the end of the season, yeah. we went on strike after the game. We were in Minnesota playing against the Minnesota North Stars. Hmm. And we know that like, the league is we are going on strike, or the players are going on strike. And we don't know if the team's going to fly us home from Minnesota back to Buffalo. But all we know is that at eleven o'clock tonight or midnight, whatever time it was, um, it's over. And um, going into that game, I had two hundred thirty-five penalty minutes or thereabouts. So with and I didn't get a penalty minute in in one of the last four, th- of those four games. So afterwards, we came back. We played three games, two against Quebec and one against Montreal, or vice versa. Uh- one of those games, I didn't get a penalty minute. Ended up with three oh nine. So two games oh you just uh, went to just, town. Just, town. Yeah, yeah, we just we just went just <laughs> our our group and my, the big brother on our team at that time was a guy named Gord Donnelly. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, El Guapo. This guy was the best, uh, best big brother. And then Rob Ray was in the middle. And I kind of I was playing a little bit more than those two guys. And, and if I get number three on most teams, if as that's kind of how it cascades down, right. Um, the two, the big guy against the big guy, you know, number two against two. If I'm getting number three and four, I do pretty good. That's, it's a pretty good trade off. Yeah. So I wasn't afraid and I got really, I got put in the right position with the right group of teammates because had one of them not been there, it would have been a much more difficult first yeah. year. And I don't know if that ever happens, mm. you know, for me to to get through a year like that. Yeah. It makes sense.
2: Barbershop prank. What do we got here?
3: Barbershop quick. Um, I'm there, i get my hair cut, see where the hair's falling. I see this little guy. He's, it's in Arizona, by the way, playing for the Phoenix Coyotes. And, and I see a guy sweeping up the hair. And I'm like, hey, my brain goes here. I'm like, what do you do with that hair? He's like, oh, no, we just we sweep it and throw it in the, throw it in the garbage and whatever. And I'm like, no, no, I'll tell you what. For the next three weeks, month, until I come back for my next haircut, can you keep all the hair you cut? Jeez. Don't throw any of the hair away, please. Green garbage bags, whatever, as much as you can keep, whatever. <laughs> He's like, hey, no problem. And he's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, don't you worry about it. It's gonna be a good one. <laughs> and sure enough, so Todd Simpson, my mm-hmm. teammate, and Todd Simpson, you got to get him on your podcast. Yeah, he's okay. awesome. Former he's Flames captain. Oh, he's run. incredible. He's a, he's a great dude. Yeah. Um, and and he's tough too, so he can actually speak the language. So, but I, I talking to Simmer. We were on a road trip, and Ladislav Nagy was a young Slovak player. Just brought bought himself a brand new Mercedes. <gasps> so what we did is we had. We were on the road trip with them though, but we had Simmer's buddies and his wife. They came with two big green garbage bags full of hair with about 10 or 12 tubes or or jugs of Vaseline. We Vaseline, his Mercedes, or (laughs) I say we, they did. Vaseline, his Mercedes, and then threw the hair on it. It was, it was actually, it was incredible. How like, long would that take to get you ever see a grown man cry? <laughs> we bet. did that night when we got home. Oh <laughs> he was so sad oh that know
2: his brand new black Mercedes. Did he drive away with it? It was a great car. He, you just had to, oh, so I so, don't even
0: know how you'd begin. Do you remember in up. Dumb
2: and Dumber where they got the van and they oh, like yeah. doing dog haircuts? <laughs> because the I was I'm just imagining this. this mobile dog of a car is Jeez. brand new Mercedes. Yeah, I got to see a picture good one. of that. That was a huh. good one. So you said you're in Phoenix. You yes. have Ronick there, you have Kachuk there. Yes. Those are two of the biggest personalities of the 90s, both Americans. And you were downtown in Phoenix at that point, yes. not in the college drink, cool. nor in Glendale. Yes. Right. What was Phoenix like then? And with those guys, especially good team, big personalities. Unbelievable team. Um,
3: and my first, it was 2000 and I came from Vancouver Playing with Walt, what a player! Um, incredible, big, tough power forward. I mean, he was tough, but this guy—you didn't want him fighting. I mean, he was. Like he score fifty. But he, but he would actually, you know, when he was playing against Adam Foot and and the big defenseman, yeah. every once in a while, you know, to get more room, big Walt could do what what he needed to do to kind of, you know, Adam Foot wouldn't go away, but other players yeah. would, right? Yeah. Um, but and Jeremy Ronick one of my one of my favorite teammates, incredible personality. Um, and this guy. Just loves life, you know. Music's on. He can he can sing every song. He, literally, he's a one man karaoke machine. He doesn't even need the, the the lyrics on the TV, like he knows it all. And he, he he's just a really fun dude um, and great storyteller. Um, Teppo Newman, Yurke Lume, defenseman on the back. at she, young Shane Doan, Danny Briere, yeah. young guys. We had Sean Burke as our goaltender yeah. at the time when I got there. Um, Nikolai Habibulin had sat out. They ended up trading him. He ends up winning a Stanley Cup with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Lightning. But, mm-hmm. um, happy Bullen would have been the guy mm-hmm. had, had he stayed in the net. When I got there, we would have probably made the playoffs and, and been a, you know, a much stronger team. But you played in Arizona. What I think it's an un- incredible market for the NHL. Yeah. They've well, you got it, it right. They've they done it downtown. It, it, it was really good. Although the rink kind of sucks for yeah. hockey, just the, the, and just the sight lines. But if they are able to build a rink in the right area, building it where they did, there and in Ottawa, mm-hmm. free has a cost. It's bankrupted to incredibly wealthy owners. Real estate. Old, play, old right? both markets. It was a real estate play yeah. the
2: whole way. It was we'll we'll bring in Wayne, we'll we'll build a huge, huge subdivision out here we'll we'll have the malls we'll build a football state it was all part of making money on real estate it was never good for the hockey team right. it killed them pretty much it, it killed the hockey
3: side but yeah. hockey was the first tenant got them the you know yeah. their loans to actually build it whatever right. that means um so what they didn't lose all their money but hockey's been in the hockey fan in phoenix i think has been kind of screwed over big time and and forgotten Probably. about because they do love hockey and it's yeah. a great market you know that um,
0: they, they have a they have a market that could sustain it but like you say their play that they made to put it out in the boondocks and build it up like I mean, they changed the name from Phoenix to Arizona because, like, Phoenix doesn't seem like that's our team. This isn't our team. I got to go out to where to watch this game, and they don't do it. And I like to look at, you know, the Florida Panthers and and the the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, the Florida Panthers' barn is out in Sunrise. There's it's just the Everglades and some outlet malls and retirement buildings. It's
2: really closer to Fort Lauderdale than Miami. It's not. Yeah.
0: Sure. Like, whose is it? I don't know. Nobody's really. It's just kind of there, and it's not always full. Tampa absolutely rocking they have a diehard fan base they've won cups and look at the success they had and the only difference is they put the thing downtown where people live and, and and feel like they're part of it and i've heard that in when phoenix had their barn downtown it was rocking and they filled it and it was awesome and then they make a play to put it on the boondocks and it's struggled ever since and it, it's unfortunate the same the same
3: story goes for the florida panthers when they played one mm-hmm. uh, of the miami heat i'm not sure what the
0: downtown name, Miami, name
2: yeah. i don't
3: know what the rink's name was at the time yeah. um but they had a great great fan base the first year. They went to the Stanley Cup final yeah. as well. Um, I think all that growth, I think that we've learned lessons. The NHL has. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt that the new owner of Ottawa, um, it, it, hopefully it'll work out for them. Yeah. They're going to be able to build a, a, a new rink right downtown. You need it right in the urban center where yeah. all the you know, transit is, mm-hmm. trains, buses, but also the live workspaces, the, the, the hotels around Um Hockey's awesome. It should be better in Arizona though, and if they had built it in Scottsdale, yep. they got shut down from the city council. But it, had they built it there, yeah. it'd be in the top five franchise in the National. Hockey. And, and
2: that's why Gary's hanging on. Everyone's like, "What is he doing? Like, <sighs> like, how does he not move this team?" And and because it, that it's still there. There's if still you hope. could get it in the right spot, that would that could be a Dallas, which is a phenomenal hockey market. It Could be Tampa. You know hey, that area in a Dallas, huge market.
3: When they we. We first started play at the Reunion Center. Right? Yeah. I think that was the name of. And then they built um, American Airlines yeah. uh, Arena. Cool. That area, there was nothing else but the building. Mm-hmm. And there was a few hotels up mm-hmm. on top of the hill. You go there now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's high end. Yeah. Dallas is a great
2: place. Yeah. Wicked place. Yeah. Uh, okay, so- we we thank you a ton for coming on. Thank What's you. what is life like these days for you? You say you're in the Toronto area, it's obviously it's a smoozing week. You get to shake hands and kiss babies and take photos.
3: Uh it's you know, it's been really nice to see a lot of former teammates and, and, and staff members from the teams I got to play for a lot of teams. So <laughs> uh, there's more people. But um no, I, I live north of the city from here. Um trying to I got I got a few things I've been working on myself. I was in T V. Um, my last job was with the um, Las Vegas Golden Knights. And um, that was a couple years ago, and I've, I'm i in insurance. I've got a, another little pet project, a travel company that's taking people golfing. And um, big groups, mm-hmm. celebrity-driven groups where you want to go golfing in, in St. Andrews or over to Ireland. Um, not only will you go with your buddies, you can come with a couple pro athletes like Jay and I. Um, and it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I want to travel the world golfing. That's what I got left for me, Unreal. my passion, yeah. and um, I may as well have a job that actually sets it up and, and maybe pays for
2: it. Unreal. 2,200 PIMS, 1,000 games, a Stanley Cup. What are you most proud of?
3: Stanley Cup number one. Well, what I'm, what I'm most pr- the ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup. So being part of a team and doing that 100% is, is the pinnacle. Um, as an individual – um, I'd say it's a 1,000 games. It's, an, mm-hmm. it's
2: such an impressive total for any player. And then you watch the way that you guys play the sport, and it, it may as well be 2,000 because what your body has to go through, it, it's remarkable.
3: Uh, you know what? It's, I, I'm 52. I still feel pretty good other than I got, I got pretty fat for a little while. <laughs> but over the last year, I've actually tightened her down. And, and I got about look 15 good, more they. to go, fellas. So <laughs> you look six, good. In about six months – <laughs> I'm going to we'll be do fired it again. up nice we'll and tight. And we'll follow we your progress it. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I There was a point, though. I didn't even have a jawline, and I was like, what the hell? My <laughs> wife's like, Brad, I've been telling you that for six years. <laughs> so I had to snap out of it. COVID wasn't good for me. No. L- sitting at a home. All I want to do is have fun, right? Yeah. I wake up every day, and I don't know if I've ever had a bad one. So wake up every day, you're in COVID, nothing to do. Eating, drinking, it wasn't a good you know, good recipe yeah. for me. But yeah, I want to get active, keep her going. But um, I still get on the ice a little bit, nice. play some charity events and stuff. I really enjoy it.
2: Nice. That's so cool to hear. Uh, And again, appreciate you a ton for coming on. Great Thank to you. have you here in, Thank in you. your hometown, talking some uh, physicality and some scrapping. And do appreciate you joining us.
3: I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. Jay, you're the best, buddy. Mayday. I really appreciate it's this. great talking to you. And, um, if you guys ever want me on again, I'm here. Definitely. Love it. Thank Love you. It. We'll do
2: that. Yeah. Uh, another big thank you we got to do is for our friends at Seagram's VO Select Whiskey. That's they right. set up the studio here. They're a, spar- a sponsor of the program. It's been an incredible, incredible week for content, not just our show. Uh, I What, around a dozen, I think? Across in a couple the board. Of days. Lots going on here. And uh, the fun's kind of just beginning in Toronto as mm. we get skills tonight. And then uh, we'll have, obviously, the game on the weekend. In your old stomping ground. It's about time for one of those Seagrams, I think. I I think it might be indeed. Thanks for joining us. Big shout out to Seagrams. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Department of Discipline. My family's very own whiskey. Barrel-aged and set apart. Marked with VO. Artfully blended. Impeccably crafted. As a wedding gift to my son. For the bride and groom. And now, over a century later, from our very own family yours. A legacy rooted in whiskey. Seagram's VO. Growing deeper, reaching out, raising a glass to your legacy. Seagram's VO. Make it your very own.